0: Jai Radha Madhava Kunja Jai Radha Jai Radha Madhava Kunja <clears throat> jaya gopi janavalla bha girivardhari <clears throat> jaya gopi janavalla bha giri vardhari <laughs> 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 yashoda nandan <laughs> <yashodanandana> braj ranjana Jashoda Braja brajajana ranjana Yamunati chari jari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Radha Kunja Bihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Radha Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jai vishnupada Vishnapada, Paramahansa Parirajaya Chajya, Stotara Sri His Divine Grace, Srila Bhaya Charanarvind, Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Iskand Founder Chajya, BBT Founder Chajya, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Iskandguru Brindaki Ki Jai, Grantaraja, Srimad Bhagavatam Mahapurana Ki Jai, shri shivadha Kalachanji Ki Jai, Sri Bhakta Brindaki Ki Jai, all glories, the devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, Hare Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees, Hare Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees, Hare Krishna. All glories, all glories to Shishi Guru and Gauranga. glories to Shila Hare Krishna. repeat after me. Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudevaya. Om Jnana Timirandhasya Jnana Jnana Shalakaya Chakshuran Militam Yenathasme Shri, Shri, Shri Guru Venamaham Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Stapitam Jena Bhutale Swem Rupa Kadamajam Dadati Swabdhantikam Vandeaham Shri Guruho Shri Yuta Padakamalam Shri Gurun Vesnavamscha Shri Rupam sāgajātam Jatam Sahagana tam Tamsajivam Sadvaitam Savadhetam, Parijana Saitan, Krishna Chaitana Devam, Sri Radha Krishna Padan Gana Lalita, Sri Vishakandita He Krishna bandhu jagat pate Gopesha Gupika Kanta, Radha Kanta Namastate, Taptakancana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari, Vishabhano Sate Devi Pranamami Hari Priye, Vanchakopatu Vescha Kripasandhu Bevaca, Putitanaam Pavanebhya veshna vebhya namo namaha Namam Vishnu padaya krishna prishthaya bhutale Shimate bhakti vedanta Swami नमस्ते namaste saraswati deve निर्विशेष pacharine Paschata-deishatayine krishna Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare 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 Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Krishna Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare 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 Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare Hare Jay Kantarachma Bhag, the Mahapurani, Ki Jay. So today we're reading from the 12th canto, the Srimad bhagavatam chapter 8, which is entitled Markandeya's Prayers to Narayana Rishi. And today we're reading from text number 13. Please repeat after me itham brihat vratadharaha brahmacharya tapaha swadhyaya hmm. samyamehi Dadhyo adhokshajam yogi Dvasta, Klesha, Antaha Atmana. Good. That word Brahmana, Brahmacharya that I put in there actually is actually part of the uh, the meanings uh, but because it's written in cursive, I thought that was part of the sentence. Okay, so now the verse. Ittham brata dharas. Itham Brihad Vrata Dharas Tapah Samyamehi Tapah Swadhyaya Samyaihi samyai, Dadhyava Jam Yogi Dadhyava Dhoksha Yogi Dvasta Kleshan Taratmana Dvasta Kleshan Taratmana Brihadbrata Dharas Tapaha Yogi dvastha was the clay brihad Tata swadhyaya sammyamai. Adyavadoksha yogi. Dvastakleshantaratmana Itham Brihadratha Dharas Tapaha Swadhyaya Sangyame Yogi Dvasta Kleshantaratmana. Good, very good. Itthambrihadbrata dharas. Tapaha svadhyaya samye. yogi. Dvasta Kleshantaratmana. Itam in this manner, Brihadvrata Dharaha, maintaining the vow of celibacy, Brahmacharya, Tapaha Swadhyaya Samyamehi, by his austerities, study of the Vedas, and regulative principles, Dadyao he meditated upon the transcendental Lord. Yogi, yogi, the Yogi, Dvasta, destroyed Klesha, all troubles. Antaha Atmana with his introspective mind. Translation, please repeat after me. In this way, the devotional mystic Markandeya maintained rigid celibacy through penance study of the Vedas and self-discipline with his mind thus free of all disturbances he turned it inward and meditated on the Supreme Personality of Godhead who lies beyond the material senses. So again, the translation is in this way. The devotional mystic Markandeya maintained rigid celibacy through penance, study of the Vedas, and self-discipline. With his mind thus free of all disturbances, he turned it inward and meditated on the Supreme Personality of Godhead who lies beyond the material senses. Om ganaka gimitan tasya gan internationala chakshurmitam yena namaha nama om vishnu paray krishna prishthaye bhutale srimatei maa krishna go스와mi iti so what happens is that all of these verses that follow until verse number 45 don't have a purport. So quite a few. Thirteen through forty five, that's uh thirty two verses altogether. So I'm not gonna read thirty two verses and we'll be all sitting here till ten o'clock just to read the verses. <laughs> so I'm just gonna speak a little from this chapter. Yeah, mainly from the very same verse that I read from today. So the Srimad Bhagavatam is a very interesting uh, document. Uh, This document is so powerful as we can see that even a country that is atheistic adopts it as an official document of their country. I mean, this is the power of the Srimad Bhagavatam. There is no other book pretty much that can compare to the Srimad Bhagavatam. The Bhagavad Gita itself are the words of Krishna spoken uh, in a... 90-minute conversation. But that's also contained within the Srimad Bhagavatam because Srimad Bhagavatam narrates the story of uh, the Battle of Kurukshetra also. And uh, is actually very much related to this document the, and to this uh, very important uh, treatise, you know, very, very important production. So, um, in this Srimad Bhagavatam, there are 12 cantos, and this is the last of the 12 cantos. And it is described by the Acharyas. Well, actually, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur says even if all the books in this world were lost and only the Srimad Bhagavatam was saved, there'd be no loss to the world. I mean, that would be an, that's an amazing statement because there are many, many nice books that have been written out there, wonderful books, at all different levels of consciousness. Many wonderful books have been written. And uh, uh, so, uh, so this Shrimad Bhagavatam actually has in it uh, stories about Krishna. And Krishna is never separated from his devotees. Krishna is always with his devotees. he's is never separated. There is no meaning to the word devotee without Krishna, and there is no meaning to the word Krishna without devotee. This is pretty much how intertwined these two are. Krishna is always in the presence of those who love him, and wonderful, wonderful things happen. He is just a very playful person, very sporty person. He is always sporting and making amazing things happen during these sports, you know, that he does. So in all of the activities that are described in the Srimad Bhagavatam, there are many wonderful devotees who are mentioned as well, obviously. And this is the 12th and the final canto. And uh, in this canto, this is chapter uh, chapter 8 that we're reading from, and the final chapter is actually chapter 13. uh, In which chapter... Uh, in which chapter the glories of the Shimad Bhagavatam are spoken prior to that is chapter 12 which is the Shimad Bhagavatam summarized and then in chapter 11 gives a summary description of the Mahapurusha then chapter 10 describes Lord Shiva and uh, Uma was this wonderful consort? Um, they glorify Markandeya Rishi. Uh, that's chapter ten, and then chapter nine uh, is about Markandeya Rishi sees the illusory potency of the Lord. And now this is the chapter. Chapter eight, we talk about Markandeya Rishi. So actually, this is the last great devotee who is being glorified. You know, and there's a saying in English. Um, they leave the best for the last, right? Right, and this is not actually surprising that they're speaking of their Rishi at this stage of the Shrimad Bhagavatam, because in our lives as devotees, two things happen: we have opportunities to achieve the greatest of all treasures, which is the. Personal association of Krishna, of Gauranga Mahaprabhu, and their associates, their devotees, like that. This is the the greatest sort of like achievement of all achievements, the greatest treasure. And 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 of course, there in 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 a big treasure box that has all treasures in it, will have different types of treasures in it. You know, like some treasures are relatively less. Valuable, and some treasures are relatively more valuable. But the most valuable treasure is Krishna Himself. The most valuable treasure is Gauranga Mahaprabhu, and and then of course they 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 are not separated from their associates. They're always with their, you know, like Krishna is always with Radharani, is always with Lord Balaram, uh, always with wonderful, wonderful personalities like Yogamaya. um, Tulsi Maharani and Vrindadevi, like that, many wonderful gopis, gopas, his parents, a uh, lot of lot of wonderful personalities, just amazing, amazing, wonderful trees like the Kalpa like you know, wonderful animals like the Surabi cow, you know, so, so, always just wonderfully, you know, the peacock and just just amazing, amazing, the flute, just, you can't, there's no end to Krishna's greatness in you know, all of the associates he has around him, and we have this opportunity as devotees. To come to that level of association. That's just amazing. It's just mind boggling. There's no way the mind can figure it out. There's no way anything can in our system figure it out. It's simply the mercy of the Supreme Lord that allows us to understand anything of this level of value. Now, simultaneously, also in the lives of devotees, there are challenges. And those challenges also rise to a level that's considered the highest level of challenges. And those, there are two challenges that rise to the highest level. The first is of being allured by material things, things that lure us. You know how there's some nice stories in Western folklore about great personalities going in the ocean, and then they're lured by some type of a siren, you know? <laughs> and then what would happen? Some great calamity would befall them as a result of that being allured like that. So in our lives as devotees, we're also allured by many things, uh, that actually will cause us untold harm, right? Uh, such things as sex life, uh, illicit sex life, like that, such things as intoxication, uh, gambling, you know, uh, eating, uh, food that is not good, uh, so these things actually allure us. These are like allurements. And there are the allurements as well. And, and then there are uh, um, such, thing, such things as being insulted. That is why in Krishna consciousness there is a saying that you can, as a devotee, if you make mistakes, you do some things bad, you know, then you can pretty much pull out of all of those except one. There's one thing that if you do, you can never pull out of, and that is if you insult a devotee. If you insult a devotee, that is the worst of the worst of all things you can do. You can insult the Lord and get away with it. You can insult so many personalities and get away with it. But if it's a devotee of the Lord, then you're in a big, 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 bad situation. Right? So... So, these two things, allurements and insults, these two become the two challenges in a devotee's life. Now, in Markandeya Rishi's case, we can see how all three are happening. One is he's meditating on the Supreme Lord. Okay? So, for us, meditating on the Supreme Lord means to chant the holy names of the Lord Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna, Krishna, Hare, Hare, Hari Rama, Hari Rama, 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 Hare, Hare. Ultimately, that is the purpose of everything we do. Whether we do deity worship, whether we read the Shrimad Bhagavatam, whether we associate with devotees, whether we take prasadam, whether we are, uh, you know, preaching. I mean, there are many, many wonderful activities in Krishna consciousness. All of these activities are meant to bring us to the singular point of associating with the holy name of the Lord. Because that is the form in which the Lord has come in Kali Yuga to us. That is the form He has come to us. And He says that, you know, that that in Kali Yuga, it's Hari Kirtan. We have to do Hari Kirtan. Kalodhat Dharikirtanat, it is said. Kalodhat Dharikirtanat, like that. So this is for us, our meditation. That we should very uh, attentively, very uh, sincerely chant the holy names of the Lord. And everything we do should be considered chanting the holy names of the Lord. So it's not like the only times we're chanting the holy names of the Lord is when our hands are in the bead bag and we are, you know, massaging the beads and chanting the holy names of the Lord. Or we're doing kirtan. Going out on Sankirtan, doing kirtan in the temple, or you know, like that. These are not the only times we are chanting. We're supposed to be chanting 24 7. And to be chanting 24 7 means we consider everything to be chanting. Because its singular purpose is that we will associate with Krishna. You know how they say that there are two rules in Krishna consciousness to always remember Krishna and never forget Krishna. So, This is what we're doing in every moment of our life, even as we are dreaming. I remember wonderfully once, Mukunda Prabhu was giving class, and he said, how do you know if you are Krishna conscious? How do you know if you are Krishna conscious? And And he gave the answer. He said, you know you are Krishna conscious if in your dreams there is Krishna consciousness happening. Because that means when you're sleeping, your consciousness is still awake. So your consciousness will tell you What is it that during the day you are very much focused on? It will come in your dreams also, in the night. So when you're having dreams, it gives you an idea of where your consciousness level is at. And then you can honestly understand your own self, where you're at in your Krishna consciousness. Now, the idea of that is simply a measure of understanding so that we can encourage ourselves to become more Krishna conscious. The idea is not, oh, if I'm... Having bad dreams, that means I'm a lousy person, I'm not Krishna conscious. No, that's not the idea. The idea is when you see dreams like that, you should know that you need to work a little more sincerely, a little more enthusiastically towards promoting Krishna consciousness like that. That's the only idea. To make yourself understand, I should always be thinking of Krishna, I should never forget Krishna, anything I should do should be solely for Krishna's purpose, solely for Krishna's pleasure, like that. So, uh, uh, so what happens is that now Markandeya Rishi uh, is actually meditating like this on the Supreme Lord, and because um, when a, when a devotee does that, when any person does the right thing, they will start becoming a little famous. No matter what it is, I mean, say for example, if uh, you know in this in this world. It's considered a great achievement to earn a lot of money, like that's considered a great achievement so if once you start earning a lot of money, the world will come to know you, you know because they'll rate who are the top billionaires in the world you know, and so your name is going to make it there if you if you come to that level I mean you know, of becoming a, a great billionaire or something like that, even if you're not a great billionaire, if you're a billionaire, they list all the billionaires of the world, you know like that. these are listed, you know, so you'll come to be known like that. So, in Mark and De Rishi's case, he came to be known like that, that he, he was doing some great austerity. And this person is doing great in his life. He's doing really great. Now, in our case, if you become the top billionaire in this world, the demigods, you know, who are standing around here, the demigods and demigods, they don't care. It doesn't mean much to them. You know, you're a billionaire, so what? You know. In the demigod kingdom, the poorest person has change in their pocket worth a few planet Earths. You know what I mean? That's how wealthy they are. You know what I mean? We're really poor people in, in this world. We're all very poor. It's just, relatively speaking, somebody is richer than the other one. But really, we're a bunch of uh, uh, beggars. You know, In fact, there's a nice Hindi song, Data Ikaram, "Bikari Sari Dunya. Data Ekaram means the only person who is really of greatness, Data means a great person, is Rama. And of course we know there are five Ramas, Parshurama, Lord Rama, Lord Balarama, Krishna himself and Radharani. These five other Ramas. So Data Ekarama, only Rama is truly great. Everybody else is a beggar, Bihari Saridunya. The rest of the world is just all beggars. They include, by the way, in that song, the demigods as well. The demigods are considered beggars. I mean, these guys are so wealthy. You can't imagine the amount of wealth they have. And yet they're considered beggars compared to Rama. Like that, right? So, but in this case, Markandeya Rishi was not considered a great person because he had a nice fat bank account. He was considered a great person because he was very, very spiritually advanced. He was so highly spiritually advanced that Indra became concerned. You know, he became... Indra is a very powerful personality. A lot of times we berate Indra, you know, because he does, sometimes he does things that we cannot understand why he would do things like that. But he's actually a very great personality. In fact, in the gita at one point it is stated that Krishna is known by his association of Indra. That's how great Indra is. That he, that's how he wants to be known. Krishna wants to be known in this world by his association of Indra. I mean, you would think that Krishna would want to be known by his association of some other great you know, devotee like Brahma. <laughs> you know, he's also really great, right? Lord Shiva, I mean, heck, who's greater than Lord Shiva? He's the greatest of all the devotees. You know what I mean? I mean, you would think that that's how the Srimad Bhagavatam might describe Krishna might want to be known as. But he's known by by Indra. That tells us Indra's position. Now this person is a truly great person. You know, he's known as the king of the demigods. You know, and so, but he every so often becomes a little insecure when he sees somebody is doing great. He's very position minded. That's one of his sort of like uh, Achilles' heels, you might say. You know, that he. Uh, he will do things to protect his position. Now, of course, the king has every right to protect his position. And there's nothing wrong in that, I and mean, Indra cannot be faulted for that. But sometimes he will do things in a way that outwardly seems to be something that's not quite right. But actually, we will see as a result of what he did, so much good will happen. You know, the example is of how Indra uh, became. Uh, a little uh envious of the fact that the Brijabasis decided to worship a hill instead of worshiping him. When he was the one who provided everything, why are you worshiping a hill? You know, like that. And and we know in that incident how Indra sent his uh people to uh cause calamity amongst the uh amongst the Brijabasis. I mean that was something unbelievably arrogant uh, from any vantage point. That's the, that was great arrogance. And, uh, but what happened as a result of that was, Krishna was able to enjoy with his bijabasis, uh in, in ways that are just, he created planetary systems underneath the hill and while he was holding, holding up the hill because Indra was inundating the place with uh, rain and you know lightning bolts and all this and all, everything else like that, Krishna was actually enjoying with his uh, bridge buses in all these planetary systems below the hill. And it was amazing what he did, and he, I mean his bridge buses were so amazed. I mean you know, some of us had experienced that we'd pray to Indra keep doing it, you know, so we keep enjoying like this, you know like that. So, so, Indra became insecure and he decided that he was going to uh, break Markandeya Rishi's meditation. So, he sent, he came himself actually, and he also brought, he also sent another person who is a very, very powerful person, and that's Cupid. Cupid, uh, now you might remember a similar thing happened with uh, Lord Shiva. It wasn't Indra, but it was Cupid at one time tried to tried to disturb Lord Shiva's meditation. And what happened in the, in the process? What did Lord Shiva do? He got scorched, badly scorched, like a third degree burn, you know, all over his body. You know what I mean? I mean, he was really, he was scorched by Lord Shiva. Okay? Now, Lord Shiva is not an ordinary personality. Lord Shiva is Krishna himself, Touching the material energy, Lord Shiva is like yogurt, and Krishna is like milk. When milk touches a souring substance, it turns into yogurt. You see, so it's 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 Lord Krishna touching like one of his energies touching the material energy, and a result of which, you know, Lord Shiva is manifest. You know, he becomes manifest. He's an eternal personality as a. Entity that is in between Jiva Tattva and Vishnu Tattva, he's like Shiva Tattva, he's a special category. He's just an amazing devotee. And yet he got angry when his meditation was actually disturbed and he squashed uh Cupid. Uh, now we will notice we will notice in this story, Mark and Rishi did not do that to Cupid. What did Mark and Rishi do? He continued his meditation. He didn't allow all of these disturbances. And there were heavy disturbances that were put on him. Heavy. Indra changed the season to make it spring. Because in spring you have this feeling of affection, you know. You feel more loving, things like that. You see what I'm saying? He made all the arrangements, perfect arrangements, you know. How sometimes in this world we say the, the perfect storm, you know. He created the perfect storm to disturb Markandeya Rishi. And what happened? Markandeya Rishi remained tolerant and completely focused on his meditation. Didn't become disturbed, didn't become angry at Lord Indra, or angry at, at uh, 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 Cupid, or angry at these wonderful girls. I mean, in other cases, right? Some devotees were affected by, like, Manika came and affected uh, on, uh, Vishwamitra, and you can see what Mishumitra did, you know, he got angry also. I mean, you know, when your meditation is disturbed like that, like, say, you know, you're chanting really nicely and somebody comes and really disturbs you. Yeah, can get angry, right? Why are you disturbing me? I'm trying to chant here, you know. And I'm getting into the mood and now you're coming and disturbing me. And hard to get into that mood, right, to chant nicely. It takes, takes a lot of effort to get into that mood. And finally, you see yourself getting into the mood, and then somebody comes and creates a disturbance. I mean, you know, that, that no. And naturally, anybody would get angry, you see what I'm saying? But in this case, we can see Markandeya Rishi, that didn't happen to him. He didn't get angry, he stayed focused. He was so focused that Indra decided this was a hopeless case. I cannot do anything to this person. This person is too fixed up in Krishna consciousness. In which case, Indra does decide that he will let off. Now, he didn't quite decide to let off in this case. But what happened was an intervention happened. The Lord himself came, seeing Mark and De Rishi, so nicely meditating on him, and seeing that Indra was failing, right? Wasn't succeeding. You know, the Lord gave Indra the opportunity. Yes, go ahead. You want to check him out? Go check him out, you know? At the same time, he gave Mark and De Rishi the opportunity, please continue your... You know how sometimes Prabhupada says that, right? That Krishna tells the policeman how to nab a, uh, a thief. And simultaneously, he tells the thief how to be able to steal and get away with it. So Krishna is actually, you know, giving encouragement on both sides of the spectrum here, you know. He's, he's actually on the one hand... Allowing Indra to do what he wants to do, and on the other hand, allowing Mark and Derishi what he wants to do. You know? And who wins out here? Mark and Derishi wins out. You see? So, when I read this, I became very encouraged in my life, because we also sometimes have to tolerate, tolerate you know, bad things, right? But the worst of the bad things I have to tolerate are my own faults. It's not others that I have to tolerate as much as I have to tolerate my own. You know, sinfulness, uh, lustiness, uh, whatever it is that actually disturbs my Krishna consciousness. 99 out of 100 of those things are internal. They're not external. For every one thing that I can blame externally, I've got 99 things I can blame internally that's going wrong in my system. That's actually stopping me from being more Krishna conscious to become more Krishna conscious like that. So I have to tolerate them too. Outsiders you can learn to tolerate. In How do you tolerate something that's happening inside you? When you know that you feel like you can correct it and yet you're not able to correct it. You're not able to correct it. Why you're not able to correct it is because it's beyond. it's beyond me. My own weaknesses are beyond me. Meaning, they're more powerful than I am. they become more powerful than I have become. Because all these lifetimes of conditioning created a situation where I have weaknesses that I keep succumbing to, that I keep falling victim to, despite my best attempts to overcome them. Or at least my best feeble attempts to overcome them. You know? So in a sense i have to tolerate them too i have to say to myself okay stay focused now stay krishna conscious don't get caught up in your own weaknesses and as you're more and more krishna conscious the lord will intervene and something will happen and things will get correct and here's markandeya rishi's situation exactly the same except in markandeya rishi's case he didn't have any internal faults. He was a very nice devotee, very fixed up. Three things it is said that he was doing. uh, uh, It is said that he uh, it is said that he was rigidly celibate. Rigidly celibate. means that he was a, 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 a paka, like we say, fixed up bona fide brahmachari, you know, (laughs) he's rigidly celibate, and he understood the Vedas, he studied the Vedas very sincerely, and he was self-disciplined, I mean, that's very hard, self-discipline is not easy, none of these three are easy, by the way, to be a rigid brahmachari, uh, to always study the Vedas, right?, and to have self-control, you know, like that level of self-control that you're self-disciplined. All these three he had as qualities. So in a sense, he was like a perfect personality. Perfect personality. So even at that level of perfection, he was lured, right, by Spring, by uh, Cupid, by these wonderful, beautiful damsels who came there, by... They said there was the smell of sandalwood from the Malaya forests, which is considered so nice. You know, I mean, perfect storm of allurement was given to him. And he remained focused on meditating on the Lord. And he was insulted. He was insulted by Indra. You know, it is not Indra's service to disturb a devotee's devotion. That's not what India should be doing. To, to disturb a devotee is the greatest of all insults that you can do. If some great devotee is trying to do something and you try to intervene to stop that devotee from doing that, right? Imagine, say, for example, Veshesha Prabhu was here, you know, and he is like the, you know, exemplar of book distribution, right? And he, and he was trying to distribute books, and someone tried to stop him, I mean, that would be an insult. You know? While he was on the street, tripping him up the back, making him fall down, or, or asking people to come and insult him, or stop him, or get the police to arrest him, or something. Right? I mean, that's an insult to a devotee. I mean, that person who does something like that to a devotee like that, I mean, they can expect a lot of trouble in their lives. Not just this lifetime for many, many, lifetimes to come in the future. You get the idea? So, in this case, that's what Indra was doing to Markandeya Rishi. So he had the perfect allurement and the perfect insult thrown at him. And what did he do? He remained focused on his meditation on the Supreme Lord. And as a result of which, Nara, Nara and Rishi turn up. The perfect couple, you know, the lord himself and the lord's greatest associate himself both turn up simultaneously to bless markandeya rishi and as we know markandeya rishi was given the blessing that he would live for the whole life of brahma I mean, that's amazing you know <laughs> That sounds like a curse more than a, uh, a boon that you have to live through the life of Brahma, <laughs> you know. But Markandeya, she didn't, uh, again, consider that a bad thing. He was okay. He was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meditate on the Lord. Meditate on the Lord. For me, being with the Lord is as good as whether I'm in the material world, spiritual, wherever I am. I'm for the Lord. I'm okay. This is supposed to be our uh, attitude as well. We're always okay when we're with the Lord. And wherever we we're with the Lord, that is the spiritual world. It's not the material world where you're we with the Lord. So he was always in spiritual consciousness like that. And actually somebody, you know, because now that he was going to stay for that long, wanted to build him a nice house so that at least have a nice residence to stay in. And his answer was, I'm only going to be staying in this world for a short time. What's the point of building a house? <laughs> the whole life of Brahma, to Mark and Rishi, while he's meditating on the Supreme Lord, is a short time. You know, Because he's so engrossed in meditating on the Lord, what does time matter? How does time factor in there? When we are with the Lord, we notice this in our lives too, right? When you're really enjoying something, time really flies, doesn't it? It's sort of like, what happened? You know, <laughs> I just started. Have we finished already? I mean, you know, like what happened, you know? And when things don't work out very well, time sort of like goes very slowly, right? It's like, when is it going to be over? When is it going to be over, you know? <laughs> like that. So, in Mark and Derish's case, he was totally enthralled in his meditation on the Supreme Lord. Are we totally enthralled when we're chanting Hare Krishna? When we are chanting the holy names of the Lord, when we're associating with the holy names of the Lord. Are we enthralled? Do we feel excited? Do we feel happy? I'm so happy I'm chanting, man. And the good thing in this material world, especially in Kali Yuga, is that life is so miserable. Whenever you do get a chance to chant Hare Krishna, you feel some relief. <laughs> you feel like, man, this is so much better than working. You know what I mean? I can chant the holy names of the Lord, feel a little peaceful, right? And we feel so peacefully fall off to sleep. we feel so peaceful our mind starts running all over the place and starts enjoying other things now because that's what we want to do we want to enjoy, right? and so for us, peacefulness is like the foundation of enjoyment You know, it's not meant to be the foundation of enjoyment it's supposed to be the foundation of devotion it is supposed to be so we become more excited in our devotion we love to chant Hare Krishna so much that we just don't chant 16 rounds we chant as many rounds as we can we try to put as much time aside to chanting and to doing activities where we are associating with the Lord, which is service, devotional service. Hare Krishna. I'm going to stop here. And, uh, and the translation again is In this way, the devotional mystic, Markandeya, maintained rigid celibacy through penance. Penance. Study of the Vedas and self discipline with his mind thus free from all disturbances. He turned it inward and meditated on the Supreme Personality of Godhead who lies beyond the material senses. Very wonderful verse. Hare Krishna. And if you'd like to say something. Yes, uh, Dharma Prabhupada. No, Thank you. Yeah. The Prabhu's question is, because he doesn't have the mic while he's speaking, is that <clears throat> essentially the question is that, you know, we're asked that we should always chant, should always remember Krishna. <clears throat> but we also have deities here, and one may have this feeling in their heart that I'd rather be in front of the deities, I'd be with the deities, and have darshan of the deities like that, spend time with the deities, even because they're devotees who talk to the deities, um... They re- they really relate to the deities, you know. They realize the deities are not idols. They're not idols. They're actually persons. They're the Supreme Lord Himself and His consort there. So, you know, just like we're here in person and we can talk to one another. So we can talk to the deities like that too. Some devotees do that and they feel very attracted to that. So, uh, why? and when we say that the purpose of deity worship is so that we come to the point of chanting the holy names of the Lord. Then... You know, how do we reconcile that? That one may have such great taste for the deities that they want to spend more time with the deities than chanting Hare Krishna? The answer, the answer is one of the answers. There are many answers to that question. But one of the, well, let me just give some of the answers that are a little more basic. They are, they are, basically, the understanding is, or the reality is, <clears throat> that all of us have a different nature. So first of all, we should always live according to our nature. So if naturally one feels more inclined to spend more time with the deities, that is actually very good. That's excellent. That is as good as chanting the holy names of the Lord, because that's your nature. You know, you have to act according to your nature. Like this there's a microphone as a nature, chair as a nature. Imagine I put the microphone on the ground, I sit on the microphone, I pick up the chair and I start speaking through the chair. You know, it won't make sense because the microphone is not meant to be a chair and the chair is not meant to be a microphone. So on, a, on an essential level, on a very basic level, one should act according to one's nature. One should relate in Krishna consciousness to Krishna because the deity is Krishna. The holy name is also Krishna. The holy name is also Krishna. So this is one's nature determining how one will have a relationship with Krishna based on one's nature, right? So on that level, let's just say on that level, it's definitely okay, as okay as chanting, to relate with the deities like that. I wanted to answer it from a different level, though. The different level is that in our relationship with Krishna, who is doing the relating here? Who is doing the relating? From our side, who is doing the relating is essentially the soul, because the soul is who I am, right? So if I'm relating with Krishna, it's the soul in me, my soul, that's relating with Krishna. it could be that the others are also relating. My mind could be relating, my intelligence, my, uh, my senses. You know, these could be my false ego. You know, these guys could also be relating uh, to, to Krishna. Okay. But essentially, it's the soul that's relating. But the relationship is always going to be on both sides, Right? So the Lord is also relating. You see what I'm saying? So there's a saying by our acharyas that in this world there are only three realities. The jiva, Krishna, and the holy name that connects the jiva to Krishna. So these are the only three realities. The jiva, Krishna. And what's connecting the jiva to Krishna is the holy name. It's like, uh, you know, beloved, the lover, and the loving exchange. Because it's the loving exchange that connects the lover to the beloved, right? Because so there's no lover if there's no beloved, and there's no lover if there's no loving going on. <laughs> Same for the beloved. You know, all three of them, right? There's no love if there's no lover and beloved. There's no beloved if there's no love and, and loving. And there's no lover if there's no beloved and loving. So, you know, all three have to be there for love. And essentially, the whole purpose of creation is actually happiness, right? Sat, chit, ananda. Ananda is the ultimate purpose of everything. And the highest form of ananda is love. Because in love, you have the highest ananda, right? So from that point of view, looking at it from that point of view, how does Krishna want to relate with me also is important. Not just how I want to relate with Krishna. Now, why I'm encouraged to chant Hare Krishna is because I don't feel much love for Krishna. That's the problem. (laughs) So, because I don't feel the love of Krishna, I'm told you become like a piece of iron that has been separated too long from the fire and has gone turned cold. You know? So, if you put yourself back into the fire, then you'll also gain the quality of the heat. So, if you put yourself back into devotion, you will become devotional again. That's the idea. So then how do we practice that devotion? The deity is generally not the initial form of uh, advancement in Krishna consciousness. As we know, first of all, a lot of people come here on Sundays, you notice they meet the deities on Sunday, then Monday to Saturday pretty much forget, right? You know. But those who chant Hare Krishna every day, they don't ever forget Krishna. Because the chanting of the Holy Name is Krishna also. Right? So when we are chanting the Holy Names of the Lord, Krishna may want us to relate more with Him in the form of His deity. He may want that from us. And so if in our heart that feeling comes, I'd like to spend more time in front of Krishna, that's great. Now you notice, one of the greatest devotees who visits our temple, is Giraj Maharaj, right? We'd have to accept that. He is, you know, the topmost devotee in our association. He spends time with us in Delhi. Well, there are many top, you know, wonderful devotees like that. But for us, he is the one who spends a good amount of time here uh, at the temple. And is topmost, with the is like that too. And then there are others who come, but not as much as these two wonderful uh, and. Uh, uh, and, and spiritual masters. But you notice Girajamats also does, he loves the deities too. So what does he do? He pulls up the chair here and he chants in front of the deities, right? So he's getting simultaneously value of both. He loves the deities, so he likes to spend time with the deities and loves to chant as well. Because that is the holy name of Krishna. It's Krishna himself. He likes both, so he's able to sit down and achieve both at the same time. So There are three different things happening here. For some of us, we like to spend more time with the deities, but we don't have so much of a taste in the holy name of the Lord. For some of us, we have a lot of taste in the holy name of the Lord, but we don't really spend too much time in front of the deities. And there are some who are both, have a lot of taste, spend a lot of time in front of the deities too. Whichever way it goes, it's fine. There's no criticism here of each of those three. It is true that we should always develop the taste for the holy name. Because you cannot be in front of the deities all the time. Right? You're going to be home at some point. You're going to be at work at some point. You're going to be in between home and work, home in the temple, temple and work, wherever you're going, you're going to be in, traveling in between sometime, right? So you're not going to, and plus the deities is going to be put to rest in the evening, so you're not going to be able to have darshan of the deities then, right? So there are major amounts of time, very, very significant amounts of time, when you're not going to be able to be in front of. Now, it could be that we're not just associating with this deity, but there are also DD at home, and maybe DD in the car. I've seen people put deities in their cars. Right? So that's okay. But still, there will be times when you're not in front of the deity. Right? And even if you're in front of the deity, if the deity is telling you, I'd like you to chant Hare Krishna, <laughs> then how can I say I love the deities and I don't like chanting Hare Krishna? Because then that's like saying, you know, I am trying to fake it to the deities, right? If I love the deities, I love what the deities want off me too. Like that. So in that sense, uh, we don't see much of a distinction. You know? We see it that <clears throat> our heart loves, we love Krishna, we love the Lord, we love Gurunga Mahaprabhu. And there may be different ways at different times. Just like beloved and beloved, they don't always love the same Way all the time. It, you know, variety is in their love, right? There's variegatedness in their love. Like that. Does that make sense? Yeah? Thank you. Anybody else? Did you have a question? Yes, please. Way to yeah. So, Mother Sadhana Nandini is asking the question. We're talking about not insulting deities. devotees do not insult devotees. Don't insult nobody for that matter, but definitely don't insult devotees. So when we do do that, how do we rectify the situation? How do we correct the situation? I mean, the short answer is we have to serve the person in a way that would please the person. But that may not be so easy to do because there's some separation created, right? Because when you really have a bad relationship with another devotee, then the two of you don't like to be together. You sort of like separate Physically also, you notice you don't want to be around when the other devotee is around. And that devotee doesn't want to be around when you're around, you know, like that. So in that case, um, the first thing is that uh, one should one should develop a real uh, sense of uh, remorse. That that was a bad thing. I, sh- I should not have done that. That was really wrong of me to insult a devotee, you know, like that. And that remorse can be expressed when we are chanting the holy name of the Lord to the Lord Himself. And I'm really sorry I did that to your devotee. I shouldn't have done it and, you know, please punish me however you want to punish me for doing that. Uh, but show that remorse while you're chanting the holy name of the Lord. And when you're in front of the deities or you can pray, pray for that devotee. Show some, show some, some expression that We do wish that devotee well. We really are well-wishers of everybody. And we're definitely well-wishers of all devotees. So pray for that devotee, you know. Oh Lord, please help the devotee do well in their life, in his life, her life like that. So pray for that devotee. And and really mean it from the bottom of your heart that you care. What will happen over a period of time is the Lord will make the arrangement for the two of you to somehow get back together again. And at that time you can express your... Uh, apologies to that devotee and say, I'm really sorry what I did was wrong and that was that was really a bad thing. I should never have done that. And I apologize. And I, of course after, we have to try not to repeat it. <laughs> the problem with us is that we're so weak we repeat uh the problem, you know, sometimes. Not with the same devotee, but another devotee or something like that. Sometimes even with the same devotee. So uh but the idea is that First of all, I have to have the realization that I did something wrong. They say that to understand your uh, mistake is 50% of the solution, you know. To understand the mistake is 50% of the solution is right there. So the fact is that the fact that you recognize that I did that, I shouldn't have done that, is really helpful. And, and you need to meditate on a little bit more to say to yourself, why did I do that? What, what went wrong there? What was it that I was trying to get? that that devotee somehow held me back from, that caused me to do that. You see what I'm saying? Because we have to get rid of the the root cause, right? And Prabhupada very nicely explains that the material world is of personalities, of everything that is envious of one another. We're full of envy. Whenever we see someone doing better than, whenever I see something better than me, I naturally become envious. That is my envious nature. You see what I'm saying? And so, that is the root cause of everything, anyway. You know, and of course that comes itself from lust, you know, which is the real root cause. <laughs> and then all this envy and anger and all these other nice children of lust turn up. You know what I mean? So the thing is, is that we have to look at that little, be which is the sadguna, like we say, the six faults that we have. We have to overcome these six, you know, big faults that we have. And so. But what we can do is we can pray for that devotee. We can say to the Lord, please bless the devotees so they can do very well in their life, this, that, and the other. Say things like that to the Lord. Because then the Lord realizes, you really, really understood that that there was a mistake on your part. You should not have done it. Now, even if you have a good reason to do, like we look at Mark and Rishi, he had good reason to be insulted, right? I mean, he could have felt insulted. He could have felt like, man... Lousy uh, this, lousy that person. He couldn't. He didn't do that, right? What did he do? He stayed focused on his Krishna consciousness. So, if we are the recipient of the insult, first of all, we should not feel insulted. Do not feel insulted. Instead, understand that person must have had some, some issues. Like whose fault was it that Indra decided to send, uh, you know, Cupid and all these beautiful girls? to Rishi. It wasn't Makande Rishi's fault. It was Indra's own fault, right? You have to accept. Indra has to accept that. It's my fault. I did that. I have to accept responsibility for that. Right? So, if a person is insulting us, it's because they have an issue. You see what I'm saying? So we should feel compassion towards that person, like Makande Rishi. It doesn't say that he felt compassion towards Indra, but the best way to show compassion anyway is to deepen one's relationship with Krishna, right? Because if you deepen your relationship with Krishna, your compassion is only going to grow more. You're going to become bigger. You're going to become more compassionate. So really, in terms of how to deal, to correct the situation, first of all, you have to accept, my fault, shouldn't have done it, my bad, I've got to get myself right. And then what are the things we have to do? The easiest things are, chant nicely, talk to the Lord, talk to other devotees, like that, deal with it at that level. That's the easiest way to deal with it. And the ultimate way to deal with it is to make sure that devotee understands that you are remorseful about it, that you accept it was your fault, and that you apologize, and that more than apologize, because saying sorry is very easy, right? More than apologize is actually to do something for that devotee that actually pleases the devotee, makes the devotee feel like, wow, you did that for me? I mean, that means you're like, you, you care about me, you know, right? That, that you are my well-wisher. You do care about me, like that. So we do that for that person. Does that make sense? Were you thinking about something we could do? This is Mother Sadhanandini who's asking the question and asking her. Sorry? No, I don't think so. <laughs> We all have faults, there's no doubt about that. (laughs) None of us can say I have no fault. (laughs) Is Indra... Yes, 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 yes. Indra, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because sometimes scripture will tell something about somebody who did the wrong thing. But what about all the right things the person did? Father, I mean, you know, <laughs> best friend. You know. And Krishna Himself is saying that I'm known by Indra. I mean, what does that mean? You know what I mean? He's an amazing, amazing personality. you know. What I mean? So, uh, yeah, it's true. And He didn't just become King of Heaven like that, right? Who's going to be the next Indra? It's going to be uh, Bali Maharaj, right? Yeah, He's the next Indra. And right now, the Lord himself has become his doorkeeper and looking after his next king. You know what I mean? So it's the Lord who appoints the king. So the Lord appointed Indra. In his, Indra is a position, by the way. It's not his name. It's his position. Just like the president is a position. The name is Trump, but the position is president. You see what i say? saying? So we say Mr. President, right? So like that. So Indra is the position. So, but the person is put in that position by Krishna. So if Krishna has put him in that position, you have to accept. You have to be qualified, right? Yeah, yeah. Not only uh, not 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 only a possibility. It's it's definitely true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are great personalities. This is like, and Bali Maharaj, as we know, uh, is known as uh, the nine methods of in devotion. The final one is to give yourself completely, right? It's the last of the nine methods of devotion, you know, and Bali Maharaj is known for that. He's the exemplar of giving his home, whole person and everything around him for Krishna's pleasure. That is Bali Maharaj, right? And because he did that, he is qualified to be the next Indra, will become the next Right now he's not the next Indra. He's not the Indra himself. He's in waiting, you know what I mean? He's Indra in waiting. Uh, how, how do you say that? Like a... When the next uh, king is going to be coming, he's called a what? He's a prince regent. Yeah, means he's going to be the next king, right? Whoever is in line to be the next king, and that position is just just waiting. When the position becomes available, he will be the next Indra. You know, so uh, and then obviously he may do something that again (laughs) we might ask questions about, right? But really, asking questions is not very fair. Because really, I'm, you know, heck, I mean, you know, it's, it's, what do they say? The pot calling the chimney black or something, or the chimney calling the pot black or something. You know what I'm saying? Or the pot calling the kettle black or something. Anyway, so the thing is this, that, you know, that's that's what we're doing when we're, in, when we're criticizing Indra. Uh, we have no standing to criticize Indra. Absolutely zilch. In fact, the standing is the other way around. We have every standing to glorify Indra. Not, You're not the other way around. Yeah. Thank you. That was a nice point. All right. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Jai all glorious lotus feet of Srila Prabhupada. Vancha kapa triveshaja kipasnu biyecha. Patita nam namo namah. Jai Kunti Raghunatha dasima Jai Shri Shri Radha Jai Shigore Bhakti Bindi ki. Thank you.